2: the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.
1: This week's podcast is presented by Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster has more tickets to more games, shows, and events than any place else and provides the most safe and transparent fan experience. That's because Ticketmaster only sells verified tickets backed up by official partnerships, which means they are all real and you will never get fake tickets. Head to ticketmaster.com slash NHL to score verified tickets to this year's 2016-17 NHL season, That's Ticketmaster.com slash NHL. Welcome back to a new episode, the fifth episode, five episodes out of five of a little podcast we're calling Biscuits that was scheduled for five episodes, and uh, we got some good news last week. We have been extended beyond five, so this could have been our last one, but um, it still may be our last one. I'm Dave Lozo, by the way, and uh, my co-host, Sean, would like to uh, confess something that he just did before the show that's um, a little surprising, a little shocking for a, he- a healthy man like himself. Yeah, I just, I, I had my lunch from a, uh, a, a fast food
0: fried chicken place whose name I won't mention in case they uh ever <laughs> want to sponsor our podcast but my internal organs are shutting down one at a time how much did you have? how much did you have too much too much more than two pieces three pieces more than two pieces yeah <laughs> and it's it's not it's not going well so yeah this this could be this was supposed to be the last one this was going to be the one where we wrapped up all the loose ends and <laughs> revealed all the big
1: plot twists but now we have to
0: we have to stretch it out a
1: little longer so all right actually sean it is the sean is the younger version of me and we we actually <laughs> every, everybody figured it out in the second episode but we still had to go through the whole entire you know motions of trying to oh it's the big reveal old bald dave is young is young hair sean and uh-oh that's 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 biscuits world oh yeah were there biscuits in your in your chicken dinner no no that was that that was part of the problem i went i just did
0: nothing but the chicken I, I actually talk, told myself I was being healthy by not doing fries. And now I wish, like, I need some, some starch or something to, to, to pad the system. Cause it's, yeah, we, let,
1: let's just get into the hockey because I don't <laughs> know how much, how long I have here. All right. Let's, uh, speak, speaking of feeling awful, you know who probably feels awful today? How's this for a segue? F- Phil Larson probably is, still does not feel very good after Tuesday night in Jersey when Taylor Hall. Uh, caught him with his head down and leveled him with a clean yet unbelievably violent and terrible hit. Maybe one of the worst clean body checks I've ever seen. And he did it like 10 minutes after Tra- Travis Ajak got sent into the boards on a hit some people thought was dirty. I thought it was just a kind of a regular old nudge between two guys going into the corner. But I saw Craig Button on Twitter. I thought it was pretty bad. But... um it was a really weird night because I was there and I was expecting a really boring game between two teams that have really no history against each other. And by midway through the second period, I thought Eric Branson might kill a fan if something went wrong. So, um, there's a lot, lot going on there. The whole sticking up for a teammate thing that I thought was weird and, um, the hits themselves. I don't know. I, I've, I've got many, many thoughts. It's a good thing this podcast has no time limit. What was it like to see it live? Cause I, like
0: I, I wasn't. Obviously I wasn't there i I wasn't watching it at the time, so i like I initially saw it through Twitter and people posting gifs and video clips and yeah. it, you know it looked it looked like a big hit, but it didn't seem that bad uh but i
1: i'm I'm told that to see it in person was sort of a different experience like the hit itself it seemed like Taylor Hall had it so lined up for so long that he expected Larson to look up and see him, but he never did, and like the hit was so like. It wasn't like charging or anything, but he clearly had his mind made up about the hit for so long that I've never seen a guy so tucked in for a hit. Like he had his arms, both of his arms like tucked to his body. Like he was able to like not even like extend or anything. It was almost like in basketball, like a moving pick, except it was super duper violent and at a much higher speed. And it wasn't until I saw the replay that I realized he was out cold before he hit the ice. And then after he hit the ice, he got hit in the head like five times by dudes trying to fight Taylor Hall because he hit a guy in playing hockey. It was weird, man. Like the first hit was, the first hit seemed worse at the time live because like Zajac didn't move. Zajac was kind of motionless, and then when he rolled over, there was like this puddle of blood, and it was just, oh, this is bad. This is this is. I mean, neither neither hit was a penalty, but like both hits resulted in those um, you know, those standing up for a teammate penalties that led to power plays yeah. that led to goals. It was, it was, it. i it's it's amazing. Like I've seen two unbelievably horrible things this year. I saw that. I saw those hits. But Zajac came back, so I guess it wasn't that bad. But then like a week or two earlier. Um, Zabin, uh, Zabinajad, Zabinajad went into the boards in like the most disgusting way I've ever seen. It was like right in front of me, too. Like the press box seat I have at the garden is right along that goal line, and he went skates first into the boards, and his leg just bent at an unholy angle. Like, I'm telling you, hockey might be too violent of a sport for me to play. I'm just gonna throw it out there. It, like, it was that the Larson
0: hit was like it was strange because it, like Taylor Hall is not a guy that. No. He's on anyone's list of the big hitters in, in the league. But w- when you go back and watch it, and somebody pointed this out, like it was sort of a strange play because if you're watching the play, even on like the wide angle from the broadcast, like Taylor Hall is in the zone and then he just kind of disappears. Like he takes a weird angle, uh, you know, not not really a direct angle like you would normally take on a four check. And, and I think Larson just loses him. Like I don't think he knows yeah. he's there. And, and normally, because there's another player, there's another one of the devils who's kind of like out in front of the net and he'd be the guy you'd expect if somebody was coming around to get you that, that that's who it would be. And it's almost as if Larson saw him went, okay, I guess I'm okay. And I guess, and nobody, nobody yelled to him. Nobody gave him the heads up. And, and yeah, I I still, I don't feel like Taylor Hall really took, you know, like, like a big run at like, you know, this is like one of those Rafi Torres hits where you're like, oh, come on, you're, you're trying to knock this guy out. It just seemed like okay. I'm going to go through. I'm I'm going to play through and 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 throw a hit, uh, but he just caught him in the exact right or wrong way. Uh, you're right. It, it looked like he was out
1: before he even even hit the ice. What did you think of this Ajak hit? I didn't think that was a dirty hit either, but I feel like more people disagree with me on that than than I expected. Yeah, I didn't.
0: That that didn't really bother me. I mean, I, I that felt like one of those where you see the the rea- like the immediate reaction where it looks like a guy is potentially hurt and, and maybe it feels worse than it is. I, I don't know. I, maybe I struggle with this because I'm like, I try to be a very progressive forward thinking hockey fan, but I I do still have this kind of old school mentality when it comes to a lot of this stuff. You love blood. I don't love blood. (laughs) I I certainly don't love seeing guys get knocked out and get hurt. But you know, there is a part of me that goes like a lot of these hits would not even have raised an eyebrow 20 years ago. And maybe nope. that's a good thing. Maybe that's me giving the league a compliment because we've moved forward and we've, and, and, you know, but the, there are hits like the Taylor Hall hit. If that happened 20 years ago, that would have been on highlight reels, but there's an awful lot of hits that, that people, you know, I like again, I'll go on Twitter and I'll, I, before I even see the hit, I'll see 20 people arguing over whether this was clean or dirty. And then I go to watch it and I'm like, ah, that, you know i i hope the guy's not hurt, and maybe that maybe that's a dirty hit by the rule book, but twenty years ago we that we wouldn't even have noticed that hit if it had happened uh and I don't know maybe we've cleaned the game up and maybe it's a good thing, but uh yeah it it is it's a little strange and and it, it kind of it leads into with the Larson thing, I almost feel like more people are talking about what happened right afterwards, yeah than the hit itself. Because what happened right afterwards was one of the stupidest things <laughs> that any
1: of us have ever seen. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a request. If you and I are ever like playing hockey, and um, you know, it's like it's like a big podcast game, and like I don't know, we're playing against Merrick and Waschinsky, and like Waschinsky just lays me out from behind, and I'm unconscious on the ice. I'm gonna make a request. Don't get into a huge brawl with skate blades on your feet and have them dangle around my throat while I'm unconscious on my back. Like, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate the sentiment that you're going to want to go over there and fight for me. I, I do, but I, I would prefer that you have the power play while I'm in the hospital. I'd prefer to not die while I'm unconscious because that's, that's probably like a fear now for most hockey players. It's like when they get knocked out cold is like Kyle Quincy going to come jumping over my neck with his skate to try to fight a guy who's trying to fight another guy who's trying to fight another guy. Just, just, just know that, like, I'm, I'm gonna put it on, put it in writing on, in like a contract that says, Dear teammates, don't stick up for me if I am the victim of a hit that gives us a five minute power play. Go score four goals on the five minute power play. Don't try to fight the guy and turn it into a three minute power play or turn into, or turn a two minute power play into a four on four. Just go out there and honor my death or my unconsciousness with two power play goals. Please. Thank you. So,
0: so just so I'm clear, if you're lying on the ice, unconscious Mm -hmm. with a potentially life-threatening head and or neck injury Mm -hmm. you don't want me to skate over and kick (laughs) you in the head like i'm i mean steven (sighs) goskowski
1: kicking a field goal like that's that's a no-go if i owe you money and i haven't paid you back yet and you want to take a free shot i'll say yes but otherwise you know it's okay it's like like just like at least like you know like, like, grab, grab me by the skates and like pull me away from the pile and then go after the guy. Like, just, just try and keep the skate blades away from like my jugular or like any sort of major artery on my body while you're, you know, defending my honor. That's all I ask. It was so terrible. And I'm sure, like, I, I know there are people listening to us talk about this right now who maybe
0: haven't seen it and they, they think that we're being funny and we're, we're exaggerating. Oh, no. You have to go and watch it. I, I mean, he gets hit. He is laying on the ice, clearly unconscious clearly in danger like there there it's it's there is something wrong and got the two different players one from each team skate over and kick him in the head on the way into not not even a fight really in the way to just jump into a scrum uh and and to the point where at one point jacob markstrom has to go over the the goaltender for the canucks has to go over and basically cover him I've never like seen that before. cover up his body because he's going to get st- someone's going to step on him or fall on him or again like this this could be you know we could be dealing with a neck or a spinal injury. You can't move somebody. You can't have, you know, guys falling on him. If one of the, if somebody drops their stick and the stick falls and hits him in the head, it's it's just you know it it's almost it it would be it would be comedy if it wasn't real life and you know thankfully you know apparently he's he's going to be okay long term you know it it sounds like this this wasn't maybe as serious as it looked
1: like it could have been uh but it it was one of the most ridiculous things i've ever seen have you seen the movie the naked gun you've seen that movie right i have yeah you know the you know the scene at the end where they're they're at the baseball stadium and they show the wacky highlights on the scoreboard and like a car comes out and runs over one of the guys <laughs> And like a a tiger comes out and tries to eat one of the players, like that's what it was like seeing Jacob Markstrom standing over a a a motionless body as he tried to. It was like it was like if your child were like caught. In like the running of the bulls, and you had to run out there and protect your child with like your own your own body as a human shield. I've never ever ever seen anything like that ever, and it was just and and again, it was one of those things too where the Canucks gave up a power play too, and and it led to a the Devils scoring the go ahead goal, and they never lost the lead. and the And the Canucks, uh, I just don't get it. I don't get the whole honor system thing, especially in hockey, where like every player's like not every player says it, but like everyone says, hockey players toughest people in the world no one tougher than hockey players man they're so tough it's like oh well wh- why did you have to fight that guy oh well, well somebody hit him I can't I can't let somebody hit hit a hockey player I gotta I gotta fight that guy why 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 would you why well you know it feels good this year well sure it feels good but it's stupid like a lot of things that are that feel good are stupid like this podcast for instance probably feels really good but it's <laughs> it's stupid I don't know I I don't know I just I guess I'm just a soft player you, soft and you
0: wrote about this this you, you just had something go up uh Th- this week and i and i just read it i you know i feel like y- you're certainly in the majority on this one i feel like this is one of those things where 90 percent of hockey fans have agreed that fights after clean hits are terrible
1: <sighs> i don't know man uh, like i hate them
0: i i gotta say i'm still in the ca- i get why they happen and i they don't bother me in all the cases there are times where there are fights after hits that are not only clean, but completely harmless. I mean, they're just basic hockey plays, you know, and, and that I get. I understand though, why you would potentially go after somebody after some of these big hits clean or not. Cause the way I see it, if you've got a guy lined up and you're ready to throw a hit there, a lot of times, if, if he doesn't see you coming, mm-hmm or you've got him with his head down, you've got a choice. And your choice is, do I want to take him out or do I want to knock him out? Like there is sort of a, a difference between what you can do in that situation. And it's a split second choice. You know, do I want to separate him from the puck and, and we go up the other way and try to score a goal? Or do I want to be on every highlight reel tonight because I'm going to knock this guy into the second row? And in those cases where somebody chooses option number two and they choose to light the guy up with the big hit that they didn't necessarily need to do. I can understand why as a teammate, you don't care if it's clean or dirty. Let the referee sort that out. That's their job. Let the Department of Player Safety sort it out if it comes to that. As a teammate and as a player, you want to make it clear to other teams that if they are in that position where they have that split second choice, they should choose the minor hit over the knock the guy out of his skates hit. And if, you know, going over and starting a fight or whatever it is, if that's your way of doing it, you know, I see it, I get it. And I think a lot of times when it happens, it's, it's not accomplishing any of that. And it's just, it's, it's performance. It's just guys who feel like they have to do this. And half the time, the guy who got hit is standing there in the background going, what are you guys even doing? I'm fine. Like, let's, let's get on with the game but there are times where you see guys have the choice and they go for the big hit and you know people say well it was a clean hit you know what if i'm a teammate i don't care if it was a clean hit or not you put our guy in danger clean or not so you know what the caveman brain kicks in and yeah we'll we'll put you in danger and and maybe you'll think twice next time
1: i got to tell you i never i never knew you were the caveman type and here we are learning so much about you i i never i never would have guessed i really like i there there are these two halves of me that just are in
0: battle over all of this stuff you know the 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 drop in fighting the drop in big hits the the end of the enforcer role you know it's um and, and again to to go back to this particular play you know the the caveat on all of this is pick a time and a place and if there you know if you've got an unconscious guy <laughs> Two feet away from your skates, that's not the time. Yeah, you, like what it, this play, what it reminded me of. And if you're, you know, if you if you're a hockey fan of a certain age, you, you're familiar with this one. But back in the, like 86 or 87, uh, St. Louis Blues had a defenseman named Bruce Bell, real good player, promising young kid. And one night he went behind the net with his head down and he did not see Wendell Clark coming. And if you know anything about Wendell Clark, you know that that is not going to end well. And Wendell Clark just lit him up with quite possibly the the hardest open ice check I've ever seen. I mean, it was behind the net, but it's, it, the no boards, nothing. I He just lit him up. It, uh, looked a lot like this one, except, you know, we talked about Taylor Hall. It didn't seem like he was coming full speed. He looked like he maybe let up a little bit. There was no let up here. This was full speed collision. Bruce Bell's knocked out before he hit the ice. Uh, really almost ended his career. I mean, he came back and played, but he was never the same player. And as soon as that happened, immediately, Wendell Clark hits him. He looks up. He knows the Blues are coming. The cavalry arrives. One of the players, Charlie Borgesia on the Blues, drops the gloves, and they square off. And before the first punch is thrown, Wendell Clark, like, points down at Bruce Bell
2: as if to say, like,
0: <laughs> dude, look, we can't do this right now. And, you know, the, and the blues kind of look down and they're like, yeah, you're right. And, and everybody just skates away and lets the medical people come out and, and, and basically perform last rites on, on poor Bruce Bell. And I'm just, I'm, I I remember looking at that and going comparing that to this and and saying, like, that was the mid eighties Norris division. If the mid eighties Norris division could have calmer heads prevail. Yeah. And have people actually think that, you know what, maybe we don't need to do this right here, right on this spot. I I cannot get my head around the fact that today's players uh, would do what we saw them doing on Tuesday night. It was the most ridiculous thing that I have I can remember seeing in a very long time.
1: And a very underrated, untalked about part of that whole hit was um, Lucas Bisa didn't really do Philip Larson any favors with that pass behind the net, which just basically forced him to chase it with his head down and set him up for the kill. Like, that's a, that's a, that's a thing about like most hits where guys have their heads down. It's not like us playing in beer leagues looking down at our feet because we, we can't skate without, the, without looking at the puck. It's like professional players yeah. and usually they get teed up for those hits. And uh, Lucas Bisa probably deserves like not for nothing. If I'm the Canucks, I might jump Lucas Bisa for setting him up to get murdered. <laughs> like if this was like a court case, like Taylor Hall would go to jail for murder and then Lucas Bisa would go to jail for being an accessory for hiring basically like the, like the, both of them would go to jail for probably second degree murder. But I think Lucas Bisa yeah. is, is, is somewhat culpable in the hit too. But. Maybe maybe Jacob Markstrom too, because I mean, a lot of times it's the goalie who's supposed to be yelling like you know heads up, yeah
0: there's, yeah, there's somebody yeah on the way. But I, you know I mean Markstrom would would we can let him off because he basically saved his life at the at the end of it. And, although also did you notice this Markstrom not only had the presence of mind to protect his teammate, but then after he got up he had the the presence of mind to block a Devils fan who was trying to take pictures. No, I didn't see that. There's, there's a, there's a an angle where you can see there's this devil's fan like at the glass, who's trying to take pictures. And Markstrom kind of like looks at him like, dude, come on. And then like (laughs) goes over and stands in front of him and like moves back and forth a few times as he's trying. And then eventually the, like even one of the devil's fans friends is like, dude, come on, like put the camera down. And Markstrom says something to him and then he turns around and the devil's fan flips him off. It was, uh, it was a wonderful moment of spirit of the hockey community.
1: It was a weird moment too, because like in the arena, it, it, it was like they cheered him once he got him on, once they got him on the board and they stretched him off, but there was like this weird sort of like, uh, come on already, sort of like weird vibe before they actually got him up on the stretcher and started to like, like push him off the ice. It was. It was, it, it was the, it was almost like, it was almost like being in the building for like, you were saying, like a 1980s, like Norris division game and not a stupid midweek Western conference team versus an Eastern conference team where the two teams don't care about each other. It was a weird, cause like, I think part of it too was like the fans in the building were pissed off about the Zajac hit not resulting in a penalty. So I, th- I felt like there was this weird sort of like eye for an eye, whatever bro, like weird vibe in the, in the arena. It's a stupid sport, Sean. It's a really bad sport. I'm not going to lie to you. And the other thing too is, is, but, but like, be. like in football, like imagine, like think about how many times like a quarterback runs to the sidelines and he gets hit out of bounds, and like nobody fights the linebacker who hits the quarterback late. Like Draymond Green, Draymond Green kicks a guy in the balls every fourth game in the NBA. No one's fighting Draymond Green while some guys down on the court like holding his balls. Like why is it only in hockey? This is like a yeah, thing. Every sport's different, though. I mean, baseball. Uh-huh. you're
0: Baseball, you'd be run too slowly when you hit a home run, and yeah. 40 guys have to run out from the bullpen in their slippers and stand <laughs> around. You know, I always, I always liked that about hockey. I always liked the fact that hockey was the one sport where there's, you know, none of this hold me back, none of this, oh, geez, if my, my 20 teammates weren't here, you got a problem. Okay. Two guys, one on one, you know, nice, fair fight, and then, and then we're done with it. But that was 20 years ago when we also fought nobody ever really got hurt in these things and it was no big deal if somebody got their bell rung. Uh, and now we know what that means. So it's, it's, you know, I get why people are so many fans are just done with this side of it and they just want it to go away. And, uh, and, but I, I, I also get why a lot of fans kind of miss this stuff and, and don't love the new direction that this game is, is definitely going in. And I, you know, I feel like I see both sides. I feel like we can all come together and agree, though, like, let's not kick unconscious people in the head uh, <laughs> moments after they've they've been KO'd on a body check uh, because that, that is it's just the dumbest thing in the world.
1: All right. So if Craig Custance were to lay you out in like a hockey media game from behind, you're, you're telling me not to do anything or are you telling me to jump Custance and just I'm lay not, him out? I'm not overly concerned just because I would never be going at a high enough
0: speed that I feel like <laughs> I could really get hurt. On a lot of the, plus I will fall down enough that I'll probably be like, I was probably halfway down on my own. So yeah, don't like, don't do anything. Wait (laughs) until I'm safely off the ice and then sucker him off the next face off and just pummel him. Darren
1: McCarty style until the crazy goalies arrive. I'm just picturing him like taking a run at you and like you see him come at the last second. You just kind of like fall over and then he falls over you and then he hits somebody else. And then it's like a whole big misunderstanding where you're just on the ice watching it all unfold. I can like, see that I, happening. Well, hey, it's, uh, that's hockey, man. You guys got to fight each other. I appreciate it. It's, that's, that's nice of you to defend my, my honor and my inability to skate. Oh, God, this sport. So speak, speaking of dumb things. <laughs>
0: speaking of dumb things. Th- speaking of stupidity. who
1: can't really skate and, and yeah, okay. Las Vegas. Yeah. How, I mean, I, 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 Bill Daly put out a statement today. I don't know if you saw it. I think, I think you might have been the one that retweeted it into my timeline that made me see it. But for those listening who don't know, the, the Vegas, not loss, just the Vegas Golden Knights who dangled their stupid friggin' team name over us for months, months and months and months, and then had a really poorly executed reveal party, um, the Tuesday night before Thanksgiving, which I got to tell you, that's the best time to drop big news because that's when everybody's around. That's when everyone's looking out for things that, that are going to affect the sports world. They screwed up the unveiling to the point where they had placeholders as their name on the screen for a good solid, what, five minutes. They had to spend 10 more minutes getting that right. And finally, they announced that they're the Vegas Golden Knights. It's like, all right, we're all done. We're all set. We've got it all figured out. But it turns out we don't because there has been a trademark claim place because there's already a college a college team that has Golden Knights as their nickname and their logo looks a lot like the one Vegas picked. So now that may not wind up being their nickname, although Bill Daly claims that they were expecting this because yeah, sure you were. I totally believe you that you because this happens all the time. Like when the when the Ducks unveiled their name, um Oregon Oregon called up and said, Hey, uh you can't use that. No, that didn't happen because it was properly executed and well done. I I I am running out of things that Vegas could screw up at this point when they don't even have any players on their roster yet. It's unbelievable how bad this has been for them. Yeah. It, and my favorite part of this
0: is in Daly's response. He's like, I we're, we're just going to go ahead with it. It's going to be fine. And we're going to file uh, our legal response, which is not due until June of 2017. And you can just see, this is going to come down to like, it's going to be two days before opening night. And some court is going to be like, no, you can't be the Golden Knights. And it's going to be like the you, – you, you wouldn't remember this, but like 20 years ago, there was a CFL team that like tried to name themselves after an NFL team and it got shot down. So they just had to be like the, the football team for a couple of games and wear like generic plain uniforms. <laughs> and it's going to be – like it's the Las Vegas placeholders. I'm telling you, we need to stick with that. Stick with the, what they originally put up on that screen when they said they were unveiling their name placeholder. I don't think anyone's going to sue over that. I'm pretty sure there's no college teams called the placeholder. Let's go with it.
1: Watch there's going to be. It's going to be like some division three team and like, or it's going to be like some Canadian, like low level, like school that has like 40 people in it. And it's like the intramural team, but they trademarked it. I love this quote. We consider this a routine matter. How, how is this a routine (laughs) matter? Because you screw up so often, this is a routine matter. And it is not our intention to reconsider the name or logo of this franchise. Well, I think you might have to at some point, unless you're going to like pay the school to, to step away from the. I, I just. How did we all know that this, th- they were down to three names like
0: four months ago? Everybody knew what the names were. Right. And yet here we are, and apparently they didn't, you know, I don't, I'm no lawyer, but I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, there, there's got to be a, some a process or some paperwork you run through just to, to get the all clear.
1: Yeah, like don't you like go to like the trademark people and just be like, "Hey, here's what we're gonna do." I guess maybe they didn't want to do it because they were afraid it would leak and you know screw up the reveal because that that would be embarrassing. And they, they, but they never shame. Yeah, that would have happened. Oh man, but I mean, Golden Knights. I feel like you can just go on to Google and just type in golden knights and see what comes up and then oh look there's a there's a small college somewhere that has this let me check into this oh looks like they have it oh i guess we got to figure something else out or maybe we should address this nope let's just go ahead and yeah there's got to be a way to do it because otherwise i mean how would you name
0: any team there's so many teams out there like it is everything's taken somewhere and and as the nhl points out there's lots of cases where there's college teams and hockey teams that have the same you know the the hurricanes right there nobody was suing anyone over that so you got to imagine there's some way to to figure this out but yeah this this seems like something that you know i don't know what was on the to-do list before the unveiling (laughs) but it seems like check trademark and practice video presentation like those two
1: things probably should have been on the list I really wish there was a second team in the expansion draft because I would bet anything by like the sixth round, Vegas would call out a name of somebody that was already taken like they would at your fantasy football draft. They'd be like, uh, yeah, we're going to take Dustin Brown. And they're like, uh, uh Quebec took them three rounds ago. Oh, good pick. Good pick. Good pick. Uh Hold on. Let me- I'm
0: starting to see why they're doing this like one day delay. Like I feel like it's so <laughs> that the NHL can just check the list and then call them up and be like, hey, guy, you can't. You can't pick Connor McDavid. That's not how this <laughs> works. He's, you don't just get to pick anybody and then explain the rules. Like Maybe that's what's going on because, yeah, you're, you're right. It, it would be
2: – it feels like – When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. this is why we should make them do it live, even if yes. it's not a real draft.
0: Because it it feels like we get like the like when the Ottawa Senators showed up at the draft with all their picks on a laptop, but the battery was dead and nobody had a charger, and so they just had to wing it. And they they kept picking guys that weren't eligible and uh and all of that stuff. Like that that's the kind of story where people are like, ah man, the NHL was crazy back. No, the <laughs> NHL is crazy now. They're just better at hiding it. Wait, that actually happened. That really happened with the that's Ottawa Senators. That's a true centers? story. Oh my god, the I Ottawa Senators that. came to the expansion draft with everything on a laptop. The laptop battery died. Nobody had a charger, nobody had a cord to plug it in. And so they just they kinda had to wing it. And three separate times they picked a player who was not
1: actually eligible to be to be picked. What a league. What a league this is. Half a billion dollars for the right to do this too. Like, I want, I want Bill Foley in my Fantasy Hockey League or my Fantasy Football League because I will take his money from him every single year. Like, this guy just can't possibly be, oh, my God, this team's going to be so bad. I feel bad for the fans in that area. Oh, there's just no way this how, is going to How work frustrated out. are you if you are one of the people who is involved in the Quebec
0: expansion? Oh, right God, now, you can you imagine? No, that the NHL was like, no, you guys are not, you guys don't rise to the level of this other bid that we have. <laughs> we got a real owner in a real market yeah
1: who knows what he's yeah, doing
0: can't I, like you know quebec's just got to be like can we print up some fake maps where we're <laughs> on the western side of the continent so that the nhl will let us in
1: i feel like that would work jim Balsillie is like in an office somewhere like looking at his blackberry like what the hell Why? why why are you serious like i'm i'm too i'm too <laughs> dumb to own a team are you kidding me Oh my God. I just, I cannot. I, I really do wish the expansion draft was live. Oh, I'd, I'd Well, they're going to, they, they get to start making trades soon. That's something to get excited over.
0: They're allowed to start making trades of picks and future considerations and all of this stuff.
1: So, when is when is it, January 1st? I think, I, oh man, I, uh,
0: LeBron had a piece on this. I want to say it's like March. I think it's, I think it's not until the, the final check clears. Which we've been told is a formality, but now yeah. I'm not so sure. Just, I mean, are we like that they're not going to just write the wrong date on it or something
1: like that? Or somebody will spill coffee and they won't be able to read the numbers? It's going to bounce and Bill Daly's is going to put out a pressure that says, hey, this is routine. This is just all part of the process. Yeah. Totally normal. Actually, at some point, we believe this new owner is going to actually defraud us. And then he's going to go to jail and it's it, it, it's all routine. It's all It's all part of becoming a new owner in the NHL. I mean, not for nothing. Especially for the NHL, that would be fairly routine. We should be able to scrape together a few bucks. You and I, you and I, I feel like are at a point where we could own and run a team. It doesn't seem that difficult. Yeah, I, let's do it. Do you know how to operate PowerPoint? Because once once we get the PowerPoint presentation down, and we just get some balloons to fall from the sky, and then we you have just the, throw it on YouTube. Yeah. You, and uh, <laughs> do you know how to
0: run a trademark check? Because I I hear that's the other thing that can trip trip somebody up.
1: Um. I mean, I can Google it. I'll, I'll figure it out. I mean, we have we have we have a, we have a year. We have a year. Hard. We have a year to move to Seattle and start this up. We have plenty of time. So we're halfway through the show, and that means it's once again time to remind you that this week's podcast is presented by Ticketmaster. As Sean knows, Ticketmaster has more tickets to more games, shows, and events than any place else and provides the most safe and transparent fan experience. You're aware of this, right, Sean? I am aware. And Dave, I don't know if you're
0: aware, but the reason for that is that Ticketmaster only sells verified tickets backed up by official partnerships.
1: And what that means is they are all real, and you will never get fake tickets. Wow, because that's, that's actually pretty good because you don't want to get fake tickets. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to head to Ticketmaster.com NHL to score verified tickets to this year's 2016-2017 NHL season. Once again, that's Ticketmaster.com slash NHL. Ready, ready for this segue? How about this segue? Speaking of things that are bad, Chris Russell... Why 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 is this a thing? Why are we doing this? I'm again? laughing for two reasons. First of all, I'm pretty sure you already use that exact
0: segue. <laughs> and, and second of all, after last week's episode, I got a lot of positive feedback from uh, after last week's episode, but I had a couple people who were like, "You guys are just bumming me out." <laughs> because it's just the entire podcast is about all the stupid things the NHL does, and I just I feel like that can just become the permanent segue. For like, we just need one recording of you going, yeah. speaking of things that are bad. And we yeah. just
1: play that in between. And, uh, yeah, uh, speaking of things that are bad. Speaking of things that are bad. I, like, I thought we had decided years ago that Chris Russell wasn't good. I don't understand how somebody gets a hold of like secret inside analytics and is like, Hey, this guy's got the same number of blah, blah, blahs as Nick Cronwall. Nick Cron, like, so he must be good. Like No, he's, 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 ah, uh, Jesus God, he's not good. Here, He's here's the thing.
0: Here's here's why I I find this story kind of kind of interesting. And and if people aren't in the loop, Chris Russell, obviously defenseman who's who's bounced around a few teams, thought he was going to get a great big free agent contract this year, didn't happen. Ended up going to Edmonton on a one year deal, and has become kind of the latest player to be ground zero in the old school versus analytics debate. Like there's always one guy. Like I feel like it went from like Andrew McDonald, Tyler Bozak at one point, Jack Johnson's been been there for for a little bit, um, and and right now it's Chris Russell, and it's it's one of those things where you you have to have a very strong opinion on Chris Russell. I know I know like I'm I'm describing like a second pairing guy on the Edmonton Oilers. You might think that that's not all that important, but you're, you're wrong. You have to feel very strongly one way or another. But this week there was a uh, there was a piece that was written by by one of my Sportsnet colleagues, Mark Spector, and in which he talked a little bit about Chris Russell, about why so many people in the analytics community don't seem to have a very high opinion of him, and then he got some comments from Peter Chiarelli, who the Oilers GM, who as you would expect def- was defending his player, uh, but did it in, in kind of an interesting way, and and. Why I find this interesting is that usually when we have these arguments about a player, if you step back, we're not actually arguing about a player. Oh, what is it then? It's – it's well, because what happens is somebody will will say a player's name and you got one half, one side goes, uh, you know, Corsi, zone entries, on ice, save percentage. And the other side is like grit, heart, hits, block shots. And – What we're they're not actually arguing about the player. They're arguing about what are the numbers or the traits or the skills that we should be valuing when we're evaluating players and and putting teams together. And and even though they're yelling at each other about a specific player, what they're actually saying about that player, both sides could can be saying something that's perfectly true. He you know, you can have you can be gritty and block a lot of shots and also have terrible possession numbers and sky high pdo and and all of these other things but with chris russell is the 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 sort of twist that it took this week was th- the knock on on chris russell has been always been that he's a terrible possession guy the possession right. numbers for him are 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 awful and and i say i say always they they weren't at the beginning of his career but the last few years uh he's he's getting creamed in terms of the pucks on net shot metrics and uh, the Oilers pushback is that they're now making the case uh, that they have stats of their own that seem to show the opposite. And Peter Shirelli is is like, you know, we have these numbers that show, for example, that Chris Russell is number two in the entire league at making passes that lead directly to clean zone entries. And if you've been following analytics debate, clean zone entries are a key thing. I mean, that's sure. something that, that, that there's a ton of value in. And if a, in theory – I'd never heard of passes leading to that. But in theory, if a guy is setting those up, great. That's a good thing. The problem is you look at Chris Russell's numbers and he, his numbers of the traditional kind of possession numbers don't give any indication that that's the case. We don't have that specific stat to look at, but we know that he is, you know, he gives up a ton of shots in his own end. He's very rarely on the ice for many shots on the, at the other end, he doesn't seem to spend much time in the offensive zone. So how is it that he's not just good or above average at a certain skill, but number two in the entire league at this stat? Like it, it feels like both of those things can't be true. So now instead of arguing over the big picture stuff while secretly agreeing on a player, now we're at a point where we're, we're two sides are saying something about a player that, that both can't be true. And it means either, that there is a flaw somewhere in the traditional publicly available numbers, which many people over the years have argued could be the case, or more interestingly, maybe the oilers are getting sold some snake oil by somebody out there, uh, who's feeding them bad numbers and they're using those numbers to make decisions. And I'll tell you, this is it, it's it's kind of a theoretical discussion right now. But we're three weeks away from January first, and on January first, Chris Russell is eligible to sign an extension. Mm. And I mean, you think that they're, you think people like to argue about this now. You wait until the Edmonton Oilers on January the fourth announce a five-year extension for Chris Russell, and people lose their minds. It's it's going to be fantastic.
1: But isn't it so weird how? all of the guys who are gritty shot blocking dudes are also bad. I mean, like what, I mean, Dan Girardi. all the, like, and the thing too is is like, Chris Russell doesn't even pass the eye test. Like how many, how many games did you watch last year with him in the playoffs with Dallas where he was just flopping around on the ice, unable to make a, like, like I can't, there's no way. First of all, the, 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 it's like the secondary assist for zone exits. Like that's not a thing. Like I that can't possibly be a thing. That's like that's like a, that's like a secondary assist in the NBA, where like you throw a pass to center court and then a guy lobs it up and it's it's an alley oop dunk and it's like, well, that guy who made the pass from the from the baseline to to mid Actually, that's a bad example because that, that's that's a good play. You should probably want you probably want to have that. But he's 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 I I don't I feel like there's not a metric and that that shows that Chris Russell is good and on top of that. I said this yesterday on Twitter, if there was ever a, a market, a media market where Chris Russell could go and be his same old self that lives in his own end and blocks a bunch of shots and is gritty and tough and blah, 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 it's Edmonton. And if there was ever a media core where the GM would go to the media and say, hey, I have this secret stat system that I can't show you, but trust me, it shows how good Chris Russell is, and they would just run with it without asking any questions, it's them. Yeah, I mean, when Chris Russell –
0: free agent watch was was dragging on in the summer like if you were just looking for chaos and entertainment value you were praying that he would go to the Edmonton Oilers because you're right it's it's kind of it's it's still a very old school organization I mean Peter remember Peter Shirelli's a guy who traded away Tyler Sagan for a handful of magic beans because and then put out and then publicly released a video of the moment the Bruins decided to do it because they were they were proud of the decision and the thinking that had gone into it. And and it was just, you know, very old school. This guy's not, he doesn't play the Bruin way and he doesn't do, do things the way we do around here. And so, you know, Peter Shirelli, you know, I'm, I'm sure he does look at analytics and, and look at some of the stuff that's, that's going on, but he seems like kind of an old school guy. It's an old school organization, a lot of old school media, but also the easily, the most analytically informed an innovative fan base that is out there. I I don't know what it is about being an Oilers fan that makes you a numbers genius, but like half of the half of the stat guys out there are Oilers fans, and you know like half of them are like all commenters from the same two or three blogs from ten years ago that all <laughs> you know suddenly you know it's like it's like some weird music scene, and suddenly ten years later they're all like you know they're all the top of the charts, and you know these guys the half of them are working for NHL teams or working for major media companies and and this and that. But, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but yeah, that, that the Edmonton Oilers are like ground zero for so much of this stuff. And the fact that, you know, like the, the stat that Peter Shirelli is, is quoting is not a stat that is publicly available. And it's not a stat you could get from any publicly available information. This isn't something you can just scrape the game logs and get, right. This is something you would need to observe. So that means either A, the Oilers have put somebody in every NHL arena to track this stuff, which I, I don't think is <laughs> very likely, or much more likely they are buying an off the shelf product from somebody somewhere. And, and like, and that's, that's also interesting to me because there's, there's really two separate groups that are doing analytics right now. There's the, the group that's doing it in public on the blogs, mm-hmm. running the stat sites social media, everything like that, that that are doing it very publicly and you know, pushing back on each other and having the debates and, and for the most part, showing all of their work. And then you've got these companies that are trying to sell things to the NHL. And you, I mean, you can't sell Corsi to an NHL team. It's already out there. It's there for free. You need to come up with your own thing. Uh, and it needs to be kind of a black box where you don't know what the inputs are and you don't know how the number comes out, you just sort of have to trust these guys that they're giving you something of value. And clearly, if if the Oilers are getting that from someone, they, they think that they're getting value and they think that they're being told something about Chris Russell. Uh, and maybe they are, or maybe not. Maybe they're getting Maybe they're getting sold a bill of goods here uh, because I know there's a lot of people in the stats community who suspect that a lot of this is going on, not just in Edmonton, but around the league where people are going in and presenting these, these magical models that spit out these numbers and, and conning NHL teams into, into paying big dollars for them. And, you know, you wonder is, is, could this possibly be a case where the Edmonton Oilers are actually basing decisions on numbers that they're getting from somewhere that, that, Maybe are not as trustworthy as they're being made out to be, uh, and I don't. You know, I I have no insight into how the Oilers make their decisions. I'm I'm just sort of speculating as to as to what could be happening. But man, that would be a fascinating situation if that was actually going on. Because, like I say, they're they're about to make a multi million dollar decision on Chris Russell, and it sounds like they're leaning in one direction based on a set of numbers that that no one else has seen or can verify.
1: Wasn't this the criticism of? when they hired John Shaka in Arizona, like nobody knew what his stats background was. And all of a sudden he was running a team. I remember people being very, saying a lot of the same things where none of his, you know, none of his work was done in public. It was kind of behind the scenes, black box stuff. And now, I mean, Arizona is probably not supposed to be good this year, but they're, they're, they're really, really, really bad. I don't know. I, I, I just, I feel like there's only so many, there's only so many micro stats. There's only so many numbers that you can use. And I feel like, A lot of the ones that are out there, like a lot of times, like I feel like there's probably like five guys total, one way or the other, where I will watch them play and I will look at their numbers and I will say they don't match. Either the numbers don't reflect how good they are, or they don't reflect how bad they are. It's very rare when I'm watching a guy and I see his number and I just say to myself, "Oh, this is way off." So even though it's public and obviously you're right, you can't sell Corsi and Fenwick and zone starts and all that stuff to to a team at this point, but i I can't imagine what other numbers there can be. I feel like no matter what you could probably create a stat, come up with a formula that could make me look like a viable n h l player somehow like oh his he's six foot three and he's his his reach per uh per meter is actually one of the best in the league, so if you want to use him to defend. Uh, He can close the gap on a player, but there's anything, any sort of, Oh, Lozo's really good at chipping the puck off the glass and getting it out the center. His, uh, his chips off the glass per 60 are actually in the top three in the end. It's just, I'm sure that's a stat somewhere. It has to be. We're doing block shots and hits and I'm sure chips
0: per 60 is, is up there, but, but you're right. I mean, but this is the thing when you're, and obviously this, this goes far beyond hockey stats, but when you look at this stuff, there's two directions you can go. You can either sit down and, and say I'm going to look at the numbers and I'm going to follow wherever they take me and and let them lead me to conclusions about about certain players or teams or whatever it is. Or you can go the other way and you can start with the conclusion and then work your way back with the numbers to get to a point where you feel confident that you're you're on the right path. And and you know and if you if you decide I look if you decide this player is a great player, and you want to work your way back with numbers, I'm I'm sure you can do it, and I'm I'm positive that you can do it if you've got highly paid consultants who know what answer it is that you want to hear, uh, and can go away and and come back with a number and a big fat invoice that you'll happily pay because it confirms what what you've already decided has to be true, and you know you it, the people who are going to make the good decisions are going to be people who go. In the direction of wherever the facts happen to take them, um, but most people don't make good decisions, and that
1: includes an awful lot of the
0: people in NHL front offices.
1: Well, speaking of people that don't make good decisions, how, how's that for a segue? <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't call the reader questions bad because we've got about we got about ten minutes before. We, well, I get thrown out of my uh, my little office here, and I'm assuming ten minutes before you have to hit the toilet based on all the fried chicken you ate. <laughs> so we probably got it. We probably got to get to that. Uh, the first question is actually directed at you. Uh the question is from Andrew Turnsek, who goes by the name Turnup Cannon on Twitter and he says who's my dad? So do you want you want to break the news to him? Well, Turnup Cannon. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it was it was after a concert in uh in in Oshawa and um you know, we were in the parking yeah. lot and um well, let's just say that I'm happy that you're old enough now where I don't got to pay for your college anymore. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know that was the first question that came in when i tweeted it and said who's 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 my dad so yeah it was it was I an important that. I one. That it was first i like he was so eager to find out that <laughs> he was just waiting
0: for you to for you to mention reader questions and he just had to fire it in there
1: yeah it was a bruce springsteen concert it was pretty good um king lid uh this question is probably too hard to answer on the fly but he wants to know who who is the best fourth liner oh man yeah i know that's that is I you know what I it's probably somebody on the Rangers because they're one of
0: the few teams that actually mm. seems to have gone all out on having a good
1: fourth line. They Use they, they, I mean they use Brandon Peary on the fourth line and the power play, so I guess he kind of you know like he's you know he's one of the best fourth liners right now is William
0: Nylander in Toronto because they've stuck him down there really for some I didn't reason know that. because they've yeah they've, they've they've dropped him down there he's still playing a lot of minutes still getting power play time so it's not like he's totally in the doghouse. But they got him down there playing center, and, and Mike Babcock has already had said a few things about, yeah, he needs to compete harder, he needs to do this, and some of the media has already sort of kind of, like, you can just, if you were wondering, like, who's going to be the next Phil Kessel in Toronto, there's your early candidate who's, who's kind of emerging. Everyone still loves Austin Matthews, everyone loves Mitch Barner, but, like, William Nylander is just, like, there's just the little hints of it. That that that's that maybe we're going down the path with this guy. It's just a weird coincidence that you know the one guy who was, you know, had the European upbringing seems to be the guy that uh, is getting chosen. But yeah, there's just that little percolating, you know, complaints bubbling up from fans and media and, and and
1: a little bit from Mike Babcock. So he's on the fourth line right now. I take him. I'm gonna hate it when Toronto gets good and starts going to the playoffs every year. Your your media group does not deserve a good team there. You guys just fucking worst god oh he sounds he sounds he's he sounds you hear
0: our fans man wait till you hear i know it's been 10 years since leaf fans have anything anything to be happy about and there's like a whole generation of fans that's like oh leaf fans seem pretty cool just wait 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 until we win one playoff round we're gonna be insufferable i can't wait
1: the best was the shit talking on Twitter when you guys were up four one in Game Seven, and then like twenty minutes later, how it all changed. I remember seeing like somebody somebody compiled tweets from that night, and it was just like, "Suck it, Boston, we own you." And then like overtime happened, and it was just, "I can't believe how much I hate my life. I want to die." So yeah, I can I can imagine I what's going to happen. Were both in.
0: my tweets. <laughs> that was
1: me. Okay, uh, modest fiasco. <laughs> Nobody has a real Twitter name. He is Aaron Steinbauer, I think is his real name. He wants to know what do you think is the best in between period entertainment that you can have at the arena. Oh, little kids. Oh yeah, yeah. See, I was I was little, gonna say the little kids playing. Yeah. I was gonna say the people that, that get inside the, the balls and then like they run inside the ball and they have yeah. to go like around. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I hate almost
0: all of it because it's all it's almost always like like somebody screaming into a microphone and sponsor <laughs> names every few seconds. And uh yeah, I mean I I, I You know, I'm old school. I I miss when it was just one Zamboni going around and Jimmy Holstrom at the organ and that was it. But yeah, if you got to do something, throw like – and I don't mean like a five on five. I mean like throw like 700 kids out there and just let them – and like nine pucks and just let them go. And I love when the fans get into it, like some kid gets a breakaway and it takes like four minutes for a little kid to get from (laughs) the blue line to the net. And the crowd is just like everyone picks a side and you just – you know, I – I, yeah, that's – I mean, there's times where that's a lot more entertaining than the actual game
1: because the NHL is bad, you see. Right, right, because it's not a fun. You, you you might get more goals in that seven-minute game than you will in the entire 60. But here in Jersey, they, they let the kids play the full length of the ice. But at the Garden, they basically do it from one end of the ice to the other blue line. So it's not even like a really – real game for the kids like they they put up little like like little like like cushiony boards behind the net at the blue line and then like you know the puck gets thrown out of play or gets bit, they'll, they'll throw a puck back in play like that's less entertaining you're right the best part is when the one kid who's clearly bigger than everybody else takes the puck and goes away on his 60 minute breakaway and you're just like come on make the save and then he just totally buries it cause uh, they- and
0: and and you know i love the I, I just love the stakes man it's like if it's november and you're watching the panthers play the wild <laughs> That game doesn't matter, but for the like these kids who've been told like you're gonna get to play in the NHL rink in front of NHL fans for like four minutes, like that's the big like when you see some kid get a breakaway, that's the biggest moment of that kid's life. Not up till now, like probably ever. Right, and he goes and does the big D de- and he hits the post.
1: Oh, that's can't get enough of that. He's gonna be like forty-five years old,
0: storming off the ice, slamming their sticks down.
1: No, no, no. It's, it's never in the mo- it's never in the moment. Then it's like it's it's like thirty years later when like you go back to the local town bar on like the day before Thanksgiving and like it's just some forty-five-year-old dude in the corner smoking a cigarette. And it's like who's that? It's like that's Jimmy Conway. Jimmy Conway had the breakaway in that Leafs game during the second period of intermission in nineteen ninety-six. Hit the post. Had the net wide open. It, it destroyed his life forever. He's just in the corner smoking cigarettes, like doing shots of whiskey. I could have scored that goal. My whole life would have been different. Goddamn. poster. I would, would
0: watch, you. I would watch an NHL red zone channel that was just nothing but the intermission little kid games.
1: Maybe that's the key. Maybe that, maybe that's how I'm, actually, that is the key. Think about hockey this year. You got David Pasternak, who's going to be the new Say again. He's going to get traded for like Chris Russell, Connor McDavid, Patrick Line. Maybe we have to go younger. Maybe we have to start letting like, like seven year old kids play on, play this game and get these like 34 year old men off the ice. Wow. See, there you go. Everyone just, who complained that Dave and I were too negative about
0: the NHL, <laughs> we're ending on a positive note. Look at that. We've we actually... Have, we've got a, got a new idea, got a new way to save the league. We've done it. And we've said something positive
1: about the sport of hockey. Wait, is it, it, are, of are, are one of your kids like that really. age? Aren't they like six or seven? You can, get, you can get one of your kids out on the ice for one of these games, can't you? Yeah. Wait, aren't, isn't, aren't one of your kids at that age where they can actually get on the ice and probably play in one of those games? You, they, they both are. Uh, neither one of them that the, neither one of them are real big hockey players
0: and uh and yeah they would both i, I don't think emotionally they'd be able to handle it if they <laughs> if it didn't go well mainly because i would be driving home like screaming at them in the car and <laughs> how they failed and failed to justify my 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 own personal sports
1: failures <laughs> uh so yeah maybe it's maybe it's better that we that we avoid that well on that note on that bad note where Sean's disappointed in his children. Uh, I believe it's time once again to say goodbye. Um, thank you to all the readers that continue to read the podcast and, and come on out and, and, and read us. Um, we're available, we're available pretty much everywhere, right? We're available on the, on the vice website. You can get us on iTunes. Everyone always asks, like, are we available on SoundCloud? Are we available? We're available on SoundCloud. I'm, I'm getting a we're, nod from Tim. I think we're available everywhere, but like, yeah, every, every
0: week somebody's like, when are you guys going to be out on the Zibblet? Blitz yeah. Yeah. <laughs> app. And I'm like, I, dude, I don't know. I'm, I barely could get my microphone to plug into my computer properly. So,
1: but we're, we're probably there. I just go, go search. Yeah. Go, go, go find us. Go, go read our podcast. Go read our words that aren't on the podcast. And, uh, thanks to our producer, Tim Barnes, who is going to take all of the choppiness in our conversation and smooth it out and make it really nice for you people to listen to and read. And, um, I don't really feel I feel like, I feel like we've already talked about everything I've written about this week. So I had nothing to, nothing to sell or promote. You have anything you want to, you want to say to the people before we say goodbye?
0: Uh, you know what? I will be, you can find me in the usual places, uh, as well as a new place starting Friday, I will be doing occasional work for a new website called the athletic, uh, which is, oh yeah? uh, I think been around in Chicago for a while He's starting up in, in Toronto as well. And, and I'm going to be doing, uh, Leafs content for them a couple times a month, uh, Wait! And, wait! Uh,
1: wait! 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 Is is James Myrtle now your boss? James Myrtle <gasps> is my boss.
0: Wow! My like eighteen different bosses, <laughs> but yeah,
1: that's awesome. I report. I yeah, Mister Myrtle as as I've been told to call him <laughs> now. Well, that's awesome. Well, more 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 down goes brown content. Uh, you can find my content somewhere else too. Probably I don't know who the heck knows, but um. That's it. So, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, go subscribe, go rate us, and we will see you back here next week, right? Yeah, sure. So we'll see you then. Bye. This
0: week's podcast is presented by Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster has more tickets to more games, shows, and events than any place else and provides the most safe and transparent fan experience. That's because Ticketmaster only sells verified tickets backed up by official partnerships, which means they're all real and you will never get fake tickets. Head to Ticketmaster.com NHL to score verified tickets to this year's 2016-17 NHL season. That's Ticketmaster.com NHL.